Welcome to Genesis. How was the uh, Chick-fil-A? Yes, yeah, always a win, the Chick-fil-A. Did you guys um, like, like how we changed it up just a little bit? So I'm guessing nuggets obviously were the majority, but like who had a sandwich? Like who was the lucky ones that were able to grab it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That makes sense. There was ten sandwiches. That adds up. None of you are lying. Awesome. Uh, what about a wrap? Like who had who had a wrap? So we're gonna have some leftovers of the wrap. Okay, cool. Uh, sweet. Well, we're, we're glad we're glad you guys are here tonight. Um, my name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so. I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited, and I also hope that you came with an open heart because you have been prayed and prepared for, and so we are glad that you're here. I want to begin tonight by asking, a, asking you a question. Have you ever been somewhere where you felt like you didn't belong? Have you ever been somewhere where you felt like you didn't belong? Like maybe when you're around like a certain group of people, maybe you've gone to a fancy restaurant and been like super underdressed, you know, whatever it is. Um, I believe we've all had a time or two in our lives where we have felt like we didn't belong. Uh, A great example from my own life is from a few years ago. My wife and I went to Asheville, North Carolina, which, uh, you know, Asheville, uh, if you've never been there, I would encourage you to to go to Asheville. Asheville's a really cool city, but it's known for like the Biltmore and the mountains and like things like that. But there's also a weird side of Asheville that, that uh, not a lot of people know about. It's like called like West Asheville or whatever, but Asheville can be a very weird place with very weird people. And, and so um, they actually, the, the governor of North Carolina one time referred to Asheville as a cesspool of sin and they loved it. They like embraced that, put it on t-shirts and everything like they were all about it. And so anyway, so uh we went to Asheville, and we have friends that, that live up there, and they were like, hey, you need to go to this place called Battle Cat Coffee. Go to this place called Battle Cat Coffee. It's a coffee shop. And they're like, yeah, we went in there, and we just felt so spiritually heavy when we went in there. And, uh, and I'm thinking, like, to a coffee shop? Like, you know, why would you feel that way? Um, and so it sounded weird, but we went to check it out. And I wouldn't say that I felt spiritually heavy, uh, but the best way I can describe this place is if, a bunch of goth people got into the coffee business. And so, I mean, I'm talking like it was dark. Everyone was wearing black. There were like weird, creepy paintings on the walls. Um, and then here comes Emily and I. <laughs> and, and, you know, first of all, look at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, goth would be like the last word you would use to describe me. And then there's Emily. And she walks in and she was wearing like pink Nike shorts walking into this place. And so we walk in here and it's like so obvious. Like we do not belong here. Um, and we stayed, we got some looks, but we stayed and it was fine. Another example is a more recent one. I mentioned last week that we had our annual men's conference a couple weekends ago here at the church. And it's in McCormick, South Carolina, which is really close to Georgia. And we usually like to play disc golf. And so we found this course in Georgia. It was about 30 minutes away from where we were at. And uh, so we go to play this course. And listen, none of us are really that good at disc golf. None of us are really that good. Uh, You know, we kind of just like having fun. And so we get to this place and it turns out to be the international headquarters for disc golf. 
in Georgia. You know, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Um, there was like a museum. There was uh, like a hall of fame. All of the courses were named after disc golf legends. And <laughs> I walk in there and I'm, I literally, I don't remember who it was, but I, I, whoever it was, I was like, listen, I, I don't belong here. Like I'm a scrub. Like look, at, like look at this place. You know what I mean? And so we know how it feels to, to not belong. And sadly, many of us have felt in church like I did at that coffee shop and that disc golf course, like we don't belong. And and that's a dangerous place for the church to be. And so tonight we're starting a series called Fake News, where we're debunking popular misconceptions about Christianity. And the first myth that we're going to talk about is that Christianity is exclusive, that Christianity is exclusive. And this is a big one. This is important because it's, it's important for us as individuals. It's important for, for Genesis as a whole, as a ministry. And then it's also important for the big C church, like just for Christians in general. Because the, the church at times could unfortunately be described as like a country club. You, 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 pay, you, know, you pay your money, you, you dress right, and you follow the rules, and that's how you're a part of it. And then also, unfortunately, Christians could, could also be described as cliquish and judgmental and arrogant. And I don't think we're all blind to this. Many of you are some of the most welcoming people that I know. And at Genesis, you know, we stress the importance of inclusion highly. You know, open doors, open hearts. I get up here and I say the same thing every single week to start a message. We hope you feel welcome, comfortable, invited. And I don't say that just to say it. And the reason why is because I know that we could have the, we could have the best worship in the world. I could be the best speaker in the world. But the moment somebody comes to the door and they don't feel welcome, they feel shunned, they feel alone, the message and the worship's not going to matter. If that happens, we failed. And I know that we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But seeing the, the popular misconception that Christianity is exclusive is heartbreaking. The church should be the most welcoming place on earth. And so I don't think it's Christianity that is exclusive. I think Christianity teaches to be inclusive. So I don't think it's Christianity that is, that is exclusive. I think it's Christians that are exclusive. And that's why I wanted to talk about it tonight, to see what Jesus says about it, how we can improve as individuals and as a ministry, and also just improve as followers of Jesus in this arena. So if you would, pray with me, and then we'll jump in to the verses for tonight. God, I thank you so much for, for bringing us here uh, as a body of believers. God, it's such an incredible opportunity to get to hear from you and uh, hear from your word, God. And so I pray that you would speak to us, that your voice would be louder than my own. And, and God, I, I, you know, I always say this, but God, your glory, and you, you getting lifted up is our number one priority tonight. So God, I pray that we wouldn't fall short of that. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. Awesome. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. And while you're turning to Luke 15, I will provide some context to what we're reading tonight. So this is about the, the halfway point of Jesus' ministry. And he's been doing what I often refer to as the three Ps. He's been preaching prophesying and performing miracles. And in this case, he's teaching in parables. And in chapter 15, he starts this series of parables, the, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the most famous of the three, the parable of the prodigal son. And he uses those three stories to illustrate the heart of God towards us. And so we're gonna read the first of those three tonight. And so we'll start in verse one. This is Luke 15, one through two. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So I want to read that one more time. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners 
and eats with them. And so these first two verses, we see the stage get set for us tonight. All these tax collectors and sinners, they started drawing near to Jesus. And, and tax collectors, they, they were despised in that day. They, they stole, they cheated, and they were seen as traitors because they were Jews that worked for the Roman government, and the Jews hated the Roman government. And so what we see here is the tax collectors, the worst of the worst, the, the hated, the despised. And then you see a bunch of sinners, the, the outcasts, the, the lawbreakers. They were all drawn to, to Jesus, and Jesus was cool with it. And because of that, the Pharisees, the religious people, they looked down on Jesus. They said, man, can you believe that he spends time with sinners? Can you believe that he eats dinner with sinners? And Jesus hears this, and that's why he replies with those three parables that describe the Father's heart toward us. And so when these Pharisees say, can you believe that he hangs out with sinners, Jesus, in today's terms, says, well, you're dang right I do. And that thought alone could be enough for tonight's message. Is Christianity exclusive? No. It actually should be absurdly inclusive because Jesus himself, God in the flesh, he spent time with sinners. He, he sat down with people who everyone else wouldn't give the time of day. Jesus had a way of welcoming the chaos. Jesus had a way of welcoming the chaos. And that is a, a phrase that I, I share with the, the Genesis leaders every now and then because I believe that's what we should do as a church is welcome the chaos. And so I'll explain that. There are some exceptions to this, obviously, but you guys know when you are in the real world of the workplace, or you're in the real world of college, when you step into the office or when you step into the classroom, your life gets put on the back burner. What you're dealing with, the, the, the illness, the, the, family, uh, tension, the family situation, the struggle, the baggage, even something like relational stress, something that might even be temporary, just gets put on the back burner. Your, your prayer requests have to be set to the side. Well, why? Well, because all your boss or your professor care about is you getting your work done. The chaos of your life is usually not welcome into a professional environment. And for some reason, the church has followed suit. The church should not be a place where you have to leave your baggage and your struggle in the parking lot. The church should welcome the chaos of your life because that's what Jesus did. By, by sitting and eating with sinners and tax collectors, it was his way of saying, listen, I know that you're struggling. I know, I know who you are. I know who the world says you are, but I welcome you. And not just the, the, the polished, professional, fake smile version of you, but all of you. And Jesus is able to do that because he sees in people what we often can't see. He doesn't see the problems. He sees the potential. He doesn't see the sin. He sees his sacrifice. He doesn't see the baggage. He sees his blood. Jesus welcomes the chaos, and so should we. There's a famous story about, uh, about Michael Jordan getting cut from his varsity basketball team. And I looked into that because there's some rumors that it wasn't true. And I found out that it is true, but not completely true. Um, he didn't get cut from the team. He actually, he just didn't make varsity. Um, they, they put him on JV. And it was like between him and another guy. And the coach picked the other guy because he was taller. And, uh, and as motivational and inspiring as that is from Michael Jordan's perspective, think about the coach's perspective, right? To pass on the player who would become the greatest basketball player of all time. When it comes to following Jesus, I don't want to ever do that to somebody. To, to write them off, to send them down to JV just because I don't see the potential. Because just as we don't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Jesus sees the potential. So we need to see people like he does. Let's keep reading. This is three through seven. 
And so he told him this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more, in, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so Jesus tells this parable about a lost sheep. And he asked the Pharisees, he says, okay, if you have 100 sheep and you lose one of them, would you not leave the 99 to go find it? And they're well, of course you would, right? Because the one sheep has value. In those days, the sheep and having sheep was a significant source of income. And plus, it's the, it's the shepherd's job to maintain the sheep. And so he can't lose one. And so, of course, you'd go find it. And, and when you do, you'll, you'll gladly bring it back on your shoulders and you'll gather people together and you'll celebrate together. And so in the same way, Jesus says that all of heaven rejoices when a sinner is saved, even more so than 99 who didn't stray. And so I wanna ask you tonight, do you find yourself in the 99 or do you find yourself as the one? I'd venture to say we've been both at different times. For those of us who believe, yeah, we were once the one, we were, we were lost, we had strayed away, but Jesus pursued us and he brought us back and brought us home and now we find ourselves in the 99 and that's great. But we know that there's still a lot of lost sheep out there. And how heartbreaking would it be if Jesus was pursuing after those who are lost and that person decides to come to church to maybe give this whole Jesus thing a chance and the 99 act like it doesn't even exist. If somebody decides, yeah, I'm gonna give this whole Jesus thing a chance and so he comes to church and the friends and the neighbors don't celebrate with the shepherd. If all of heaven is rejoicing when someone makes a move toward Jesus, why wouldn't we? So apparently, if we can't rejoice when someone pursues Jesus, we're gonna hate heaven because there's a lot of that that goes on up there. If Jesus is out searching and pursuing and draws someone to his body of believers, we need to receive that person with open arms. Listen, do you know how hard it is sometimes for people to walk through the doors of a church? With all of the predispositions, with all of the assumptions, with all of the awkwardness, and then they finally get here and they feel excluded? They, they feel unwelcome or alone. If people think that Christianity is exclusive, it's not Jesus's fault, it's ours. And so as followers of Jesus, what can we do to welcome people better? Can we set aside our pride? Can we break up the cliques? Can we get over the awkwardness? If Christ has pursued the one, we need to welcome the one. As followers of Jesus, we are often the image of Jesus that people see. And so no wonder people say, well, man, I love Jesus, but not the church. Or I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. It's because they realize that Jesus wants them, but we don't. We gotta stop digging our hole deeper and make an active and conscious effort to welcome people into the church. We have to have the mindset that if Jesus welcomes you, so do I. If you're a friend of Jesus, you're a friend of mine. I may have just met you, but you're not a stranger because we got something in common. We're both equally in need of Jesus and we're both equally saved by the same Savior. When I, uh, when I graduated high school, I, um, I came to Genesis for the first time. This was before the church moved to Somerville. It was at our old location. I was 18 years old and uh, I, think, I think Ryan was there 
with me that night, and it might have been somebody else, but at least the two of us. We walk in, first time ever at Genesis, and, you know, 18's like, the, you know, the minimum age. So we were like the youngest. And at the time, Genesis was a lot older than it is now. Like it was like more towards the 30 range. And so we were really like young, you know, coming through the doors. And we were already nervous to begin with because it was our first time. And we come through the doors, we, we, you know, coming for the first time. And we sit down at, the, at this table and, you know, we're just kind of like feeling it out, you know. And then this guy comes over and sits down with us. And he starts like getting to know us. And um, he's probably like in his mid-20s. And so he starts talking to us, gets to know our names and everything, and kind of become friends, you know, that night. And then we started hanging out, not just at Genesis, but, but like outside of church. And we actually started going to, they used to have Monday night football bingo at Wild Wing on Rivers Avenue. And so you would go, and <laughs> I have a funny add, add addition to this story in a minute, sorry. Um, we used to go to this, and we would, uh, basically what you would do is you would watch the game. They had it on, like, their projector screen or whatever, and you had a bingo sheet in front of you. And, like, if something happened in the game, you'd cross it off on your sheet, and if you got bingo, you'd win a prize. And so we would do that for, like, every Monday night. And I remember thinking, like, like I said, we were, like, all, like, 18, fresh out of high school. This dude's in his mid-20s. And I remember thinking, this guy's, like, super cool. Like, he, he's, like, 25. He's got tattoos. He's got a real job. Like, he lives on his own. You know, I'm, and I'm like, you know, like I said, I'm 18, like not even close to any of those things, you know. And, uh, and I remember thinking, it, he's so cool. Why does he hang out with us? You know, like why does he spend so much time with us? Like does he not have friends of his own? You know, that's literally like what I was thinking. And, um, and so anyway, now that I'm like in that mid-20s, start about to be my late 20s, I get it. Four, I think four out of the five people that came to Genesis around that time that went to Monday Night Football Bingo, four out of the five are still active in the church. The dude sought us out. He spent time with us. And he spent time with a group of, group of weirdos that he probably wouldn't have otherwise. And it really made a difference. Relationships really matter. And welcoming people into the church really matters. Years later, I went back to Wild Wing. This was the funny part. And... Um, I asked the waitress, I said, do you guys still do Monday Night Football Bingo? And she was like, we never did that. And I was like, was it all a dream? What do you mean we never did that? I never figured out what she meant. Um, <laughs> so um, he was an angel. Uh, no, he's a real person. Okay, so, all right. If you, and I want to mention, I want to mention tonight that if you do find yourself in, or find yourself as the one tonight, not the, the 99, but the one, and uh, you came here tonight and you thought you'd give this whole thing a chance, I want you to know while you're trying to figure this God thing out, I can promise you you're always welcome in two places. You're always welcome in the presence of God and you're always welcome at Genesis. And I believe everyone that is a regular here will tell you the same thing. And here's something else I want you to think about. When it comes to being, you know, Christianity being exclusive and all of that, isn't the world divided enough already? Divided by the highs and the lows of social status, divided by the, the color of our skin, divided by our political views. The only thing that levels all of those divisions is the gospel, is what Christians believe. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it levels the playing field for us all. It tears down the barriers of status 
It tears down the barriers of race. It tears down the barriers of gender and political beliefs and sexual orientation. And so we do not need to rebuild those barriers. The gospel tells us that no amount of money, no amount of perfection, no amount of moral uprightness would ever be good enough to save us. The only thing that make us, makes us right in the eyes of God is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so the gospel tears down any and all entitlement you can feel in the church. And so because of that, you are as welcome as I am, and I am as welcome as you are. That if Jesus opened the door of heaven for me, I can open up the doors of the church for you. I can open the doors of my house for you. I can open the doors of my life for you. We gotta understand, all of us fell short and none of us got closer to the mark than others. We are all equally in need of a savior and also all equally covered by the blood of Jesus. And so if we have that mindset, the doors of the church should swing wide open. Christianity should be absurdly inclusive because Jesus is. So I'll invite the band to come back up. You guys can go ahead and stand. As we respond in worship tonight, this may be a chance for us to work on ourselves, to remind ourselves that if Jesus welcomed us, then we should welcome others. You know, maybe we've been too exclusive and, and we need to make a decision to set aside our pride or break up the clicks or set aside the awkwardness and really make a conscious effort to be more welcoming to people. Whatever it is, I believe that we can celebrate tonight that Jesus welcomed us despite our imperfection, that we are a bunch of sinners tonight, but we are all saved by the same Savior. And his grace, it tears down any barriers that separate us. We're united tonight as children of God and we get to worship him together. So let's respond to the, the goodness and grace of Jesus tonight because he welcomed us and let's make the decision to do the same for others. Let's pray. God, again, I thank you for, for gathering us here together tonight. And I thank you that your cross, your sacrifice, God, it made a way for us all. That none of us got closer to the mark than others. And so God, we have no right to be entitled to anything. God, it's all because of you. So God, first of all, we worship because of that. We worship because you set us free from our sin when we didn't deserve it. And God, just, because, just as you've welcomed us, God, we wanna start welcoming others. Whether that be in the church, whether that be uh, out in our workplace, out in, out in school or wherever it may be, God, that we would be more welcoming to people so that the misconception that Christianity is exclusive would die. God, because you are absurdly inclusive. God, I thank you that you sit down and eat with sinners. God, I thank you that you spend time with those who, who, who no one else would. God, because that truth, that gave us all a chance. So God, I pray we respond to you tonight. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. And God, I pray that we would make a decision tonight to walk out of here and be as inclusive as you were to us. In Jesus' name, amen.